The Saskatchewan Healthcare Coalition is hosting the All for Public Healthcare Rally in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, May 4th. It's free and you're invited. This rally is happening because our public healthcare system does not have the support it needs to meet the diverse needs of all Saskatchewan residents. For years, it has been underfunded, ignored, and hindered. So join Donna and I in person on May 4th in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan for a walk, speeches, networking, and community building. Link for more information is in the show notes. Hope to see you there. What's up, everybody? My name is Daniel Unmanageable, and this is Hard Knocks Talks. Um, what would I like to say first? First, I would like to thank my sponsors, the Prairie Node of the Canadian Research Initiative in Substance Misuse and Prairie Sky Recovery Centre here in Saskatchewan. So, tonight's guest, Derek Halderson, is going to talk about how he went from peeking out windows to the president of the Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers Union, Local 1SK, and we are going to meet him right after this. It didn't work right after this. <laughs> oh, hang on. Here we go. Right after this. Hey, there we go. If that's the worst thing that happens tonight, we're good. I'm all alone tonight. No producer. I spent 23 years living in addiction. 16 of those years, I worked as a Red Seal tradesperson in Saskatchewan and Northern Alberta. During that time, I made many mistakes and took more than a few hard knocks. I went from tradesman to business owner to hiding from gang members and dumpster diving. But with that lived experience, I've decided to try and make a change. I've dedicated my life to raising awareness and promoting change in the fields of substance use and psychological health and safety. So join me and my guests as we take off the blinders around mental health in our communities and at work and shine a light on what's working and what's not working in the fields of mental health and occupational health and safety. I'm Daniel Unmanageable and I'll be your host and this is Hard Knocks Talks. Okay, so I didn't say this earlier, but tonight I, I, I do usually have a producer, but I have got this thing tonight. And look, it's cool because the buttons are green. So it's like you can like, whoa. But anyways, every one of those buttons does something different. Like this, for example. Let's find Derek. Oh, what's up, Derek? Hey, guys. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, definitely a little bit nervous tonight, but uh, seeing all those comments actually kind of brought a tear to my eyes. So I'm, I'm expecting this to get a little emotional tonight. Uh, thank you all for the uh, for the comments. Um, much appreciated. Love you all. So um, definitely looking forward to this. So awesome. Well, we've got another one coming in for you. Do you know Jacob? <laughs> yes, I know Jacob. One, of, one the... of my brothers from down south. So right thanks on. for coming on, Jacob. Yes, thank you for the comment, Jacob. Are you ready for the flashback, my friend? Yes, I am. Let's do it. Okay, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up, Derek? Okay, thanks, Dan. 
Um, for me, I, I came from a, 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 a loving family. Um, I had two very loving, supportive parents, um, loving, supported grandparents, uh, aunts and uncles. Uh, they supported me in whatever I did. Um, I was big into hockey right from when I was little. Um, my parents, my grandparents followed me out through my whole career. Um, my parents worked very hard to, uh, to be able to provide um, so that I could play hockey. Um, for many, uh, for a couple summers, I played summer hockey out of uh, Brandon, Manitoba. So that meant driving to Brandon uh, every second weekend uh, for weekend practice and then going off to tournaments in Minneapolis and uh, Edmonton, Calgary, different places across Western Canada. Um, and then in my later hockey careers, uh, my parents had decided that they needed to find me a, a, some more competitive hockey. And I started playing out of Yorkton, uh, which was about an hour away from Camsat. Um, so that meant, you know, me driving to Yorkton two, three, four times a week for practices, uh, games. We played all across Southern Saskatchewan for those, those three years. So, um, I know I'm the only kids of my own and they're, and they're in hockey and I know how much it costs. So, you know, I mean, how much they would have had to spend. Plus, never mind the time, you know, I mean, working all day and then having to get home from work, uh, get kids fed and then drive us off Yorkton for hockey practice. So, so uh, I'm definitely very appreciative of that. Was there was there any substance use at home? Uh, no, <laughs> um, not at all. Like I, I was thinking back after we talked last weekend, Dan. Um, I think I remembered once when my dad was drunk, and once when my mom was drunk, and that's about it. Um, I was told that I had a, an uncle who who battled with alcoholism, but I've, I've never seen him drunk. So there was no kind of substance abuse or anything in my household at all growing up. Oh, how was uh, how was your relationships uh, going through school with friends and teammates? Um, through school? Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm done. Give her. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, my relationships in school were good, right? I, I was I was the hockey player, right? So so the jock, the the so called in crowd or cool crowd, whatever you want to call it. I, I definitely have a different outlook on on what that is nowadays. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, my relationships were, were relatively good. Um, the only thing that I could really think of is, is I, I was a chubby kid growing up um, and, and I got made fun of for my weight. And I mean, that, that might've been some of the stem of, of, of where some of my insecurities and inadequacies and, and you know, I mean, that, that little bit of, of lower self-worth, self-worth could have started. Um, um, like it, I didn't think it really affected me much back then. Um, you know, obviously once you get clean, you start looking back at your life and, and possibly what could have caused uh, some of the problems that you that you went through throughout um, throughout my life. So mm-hmm. um, otherwise, you know, when I was in Campsack, my relationships were great. Um, I later on moved to Saskatoon to play hockey and went to school there, and that was a little different different situation. I was I was really shy, and and the only relationships I had in school were the people that I played hockey with. But mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll get into the hockey stuff a little later. So so how how old were you the first time you got drunk? First time I got drunk, um, I think it was around 13 or 14, 14 years old, I think. And uh, a bunch of us decided to have a party. Um, for some reason, I decided to go with butter brickle, whipping cream, and beer. I, I don't really know where I got that combination from. But <laughs> it wasn't very good. It was good when it started. But uh, but yeah, it was, was not good at all. But uh, I don't remember a whole lot from the party. I remember eventually getting sick. And then I remember I being one of the last ones going, and that was my go-to. I was always the last one going at the party. Yeah. But I remember I was upstairs throwing up, 
And then I, I came to go down the stairs because the party was down the stairs. And I stumbled down the first set of stairs and kind of run into the door. And then when I went down the second set of stairs, I fell and went right through the door. And I think it was a smoking room or something. Like that. I went through the door, boom, landed on the floor. And the two guys in the, uh, in the smoking room just started laughing at me. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was one of those things where, you know, I mean, I'd, I had to go full out no matter what. Yeah. I yeah. You know, you're, you're talking about butter brickle and stuff. And I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, I actually don't ever remember the flavor of the alcohol preventing me from, from drinking it. <laughs> like that wasn't a thing. Like I would drink the rankest scotch, the, the cheapest stuff you could find, you know, if it got the job done, I'm yeah. happy. So, well, I just, um, I just know this, this, this combination of butter ripple and, and whipping cream made me extremely sick, but it could have been yeah. the fact that I drank so much. Either yeah. or, I don't no, know. No, no, no. It was. wasn't the amount. It was the whipped cream that did it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, after your first drunk, were you, were you in all the way or was it just sort of like a weekend thing for you or how did that look? Um, no, it was just a one day thing. And, and, and for me, my, my main focus, my main focus growing up was hockey. That, that was my life. Um, you know, I played summer hockey. I played hockey all year round. Um, that was that was my thing. I wanted to make it to the NHL. That was my goal. And so everything was focused on hockey. And, and, and you know, I mean, I maybe got drunk a couple more times after that before uh, before heading off to to play junior hockey in, in Saskatoon. But um, yeah, no, it wasn't something where I was in all right. Not gonna lie, I enjoyed the feeling. I, I enjoyed the rush from. Uh, from getting drunk, but um, you know, it wasn't something that I, I needed all the time, or or was all in all right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And um, so, how was hockey? Tell us about that. <laughs> hockey, well, that <laughs> hockey was it was it was interesting. It was fun. Um, you know, I mean, I was 16 years old um, when I was 15. I was drafted in the third round by the Saskatoon Blades. Um, so when I was 16, I ended up moving away from home, uh, put in a house with billets uh, to play hockey in Saskatoon. Um, I never really knew I was a shy guy because, uh, like, when I was around Camsec, I was big, I was loud. You know what I mean? I was the life of the party when I ever did party, and and that's just how I was. But when I went to Saskatoon, I, I realized I was an extremely shy person. And I don't know if that started with my inadequacies or insecurities or, or what it was, but, um, you know, I mean, with the, with my teammates, it took a long time before I warmed up to them. Usually, I think, I think it was probably after the first time we got drunk. And you know, I'm going to get drunk and make an ass of myself. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, he's fun to be around. Or I thought that was the case, <laughs> yeah. right? But, uh, yeah. but, it, but, in, but in school, it was, uh, yeah, I just hung with my teammates and that was it. You know, I mean, I, I struggled making friends with other people. Um, lots of times I would hear that people thought I was arrogant or stuck up or cocky or whatever. And, and that, that wasn't the case. I was just a really shy person until, you know, me you get a few drinks of me and then right away I'm the life of the party. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was definitely an eye opener because you, you get away from home. You, you don't have rules. Um, I was 16 years old and when I was 16, I was six feet tall, 200 pounds and I grew a full facial hair. So, uh-huh. you know what I mean? I was, I was going to the beer, uh, the beer. I was going to the bar with the older guys as a 16 year old kid and you know, yeah. I'm going to get drunk all night and go home, get a couple hours of sleep and go to school. And you know what I mean? That's where, you know I mean? It started drinking, started coming more and more and then. You know, me and my, we'd have parties at my house after and yeah. and whatnot, and I mean, going to school and trying to not throw up in school, and eventually having to run down to the bathroom because you got to throw up and whatnot. So, um, you know, that's where I started to, I guess. You know, I mean, the drinking became more of a thing, and and you know, I mean, learning to play hockey hungover. So yeah, yeah. Um, so and and then you started uh, smoking weed. How old were you when that started happening? 
Um, I was about 16 years old. I, uh, when I went home at Christmas after my 16 year old year, I had a buddy who did it and, uh, you know, I mean, I enjoyed beer. So I'm like, wait, well, let's try the next thing. So, um, smoked a little bit of weed over the Christmas holidays, went back to, uh, Saskatoon for the, the remainder of the season. Didn't touch it. Uh, just, you know, I mean, wasn't sure how to bring it up around people and stuff. Um, I did enjoy it. Um, but yeah, so I didn't touch it for a little bit. And then our, uh, our year end came and, and usually with, when the year end comes in hockey, you have a little bit of a bender for a few days and mm-hmm. ours consisted of uh, grabbing a 66 of whiskey and me and my roommate sitting on our front lawn in our underwear, pounding back whiskey and waving at all the people driving by. <laughs> I've done that. Go, That's going. fun. That's fun, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be amazing how many people stopped in and stuff. But the only problem was the people living next door were the people that were doing our fitness testing for the hockey team the, the next day or two days later, whatever. Right? Well, yeah. of course they reported that to our general manager and coaches and stuff, and and uh, it kind of started me in the bad books for for upcoming seasons and stuff. But uh-huh. anyways, um, after the season ended, I I went back to Campsack and. Um, and started doing weed a lot more. It was it was an everyday thing for uh, for a little while. Um, I'd have my buddy pick me up at lunch at school. We'd drive out into the gravel roads or whatnot, and and you know we'd get extremely high, and then go back to school and sit in the back of class, and hopefully the teacher didn't notice. And that carried on for for a couple of weeks. And after school, he'd pick me up. We'd go get high until it's time to go home, go to bed, and sneak in. I was living with my grandparents at the time, sneaking my grandparents' house, and hopefully they didn't see me and go to bed. Um, yeah. and that carried on until, uh, I was in, uh, I was in Yorkton one time and we we're at a, a place for chicken wings. It was kind of, it was kind of like a bar, but they allowed minors in there. Yeah. Excuse me. And, uh, there's a police officer from campsite there and he decides to pull me outside to have a chat with me and he pulls me out and he starts chatting about hockey and how's hockey going and all this. And yeah, you're doing really good and all this stuff. And then he just turned a switch and just started swearing at me. He's like, what the fuck are you doing smoking weed? He's like, we could have busted you so many times. He's like, what the fuck? Like, he's just swearing at me. Yeah. And then, then he told me a story about a buddy that he had that played hockey uh, and ended up k- killing himself because um, he got involved in drugs and whatnot and ended up committing suicide. And uh, and that's scary. to hear that. <laughs> it's it, it yeah, scared, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. And um, and it stopped me. I, you know what I mean? I, I, I stopped smoking weed for the rest of the summer. Uh, uh-huh. The only problem is I continued drinking. And... And when you're playing junior hockey, you have to have a pretty uh, regiment training, you know I mean, routine throughout the summer, which uh, I didn't really adhere to. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I ended up going back to camp probably 20 or 30 pounds overweight. And this was my NHL draft year going into. Like, you know I mean, I should have been going home, going home and working, you know I mean, my butt off so I could prepare and, and hopefully get drafted into uh, into the National Hockey League. But I, uh, I ended up, uh, you know I mean, going back – 30 pounds overweight. Um, that's when I ended up having to start, you know, I mean, fighting uh, in hockey to to be able to make sure I stuck around with the team because, you know, I mean, I was out of shape, I was slower, but I had to do something so that that I could stay on the hockey team. Yeah, um, hang on a sec. I want to, I want to, I want to acknowledge something here right now before before the right. moment passes. Right now, we have 56 live viewers. This is the most viewers we've ever had at one time, and I just want to say thank you to everyone for tuning in. Thank you for hearing our message. So. Um, anyway, Thanks, sorry, sorry. I just, I had yeah, to throw that in there before the moment passed. <laughs> yeah, it, so. it just make me a little bit more nervous too. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. Well, that's only, that's, that's only on Facebook. We don't know how many are watching on Twitch and YouTube right now. 
<laughs> oh really? Oh, okay. So, well, thanks a lot. So, <laughs> oh, and we got. I told you not to tell me how many guys. Or yeah, how many yeah, no, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> anyways, we've got uh, we've got Aslan tuning in too, or chiming in. Thank you for watching, Aslan. I hope I'm saying yeah, that right. Am Aislinn. I saying Aislinn? Am I saying that right? Aislinn. I'm sorry. Aislinn, I've seen your name on Facebook for years, and I've never said <laughs> it out loud. So I'm sorry if I said it wrong. We've got one more coming here too. We've got uh, Sarah. Oh, Sarah. Yes, thank you, Sarah, oh, hey, for watching. Sarah. Thank you for your support. Appreciate it. Thank you very it. much. So, um, okay. So, um, did you know at the time, like when all this was going on, did you did you have some awareness that you were that you were screwing up, or were you just like these guys don't know what they're talking about? Because that's what I was like when um, I was that age. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I obviously think I had no idea. Um, yeah. I, well, no, I, I knew I was screwing up, but I didn't know what I was jeopardizing. You know, what I mean, it wasn't until later in life that when I look back, I'm like, I'm like, holy smokes! Um, like, like I'm not saying I I, I could have made the NHL. Like, the NHL is such a fine line to get there. Like, like it's you know, what I mean, it's it's you have to be in the right place, right time, right skill, everything. Like, there's there's tons of different things that had to be in place to get there. But there was guys that I played with and against, you know, I mean, that I put up as good as numbers as and different things. Um, but, but again, I'm not saying I would have been there. My biggest regret is I didn't put the effort in to give me the best chance to get there. And, you know, I mean, that played a huge, huge role in my addiction. You know, what I mean, the, the, the shame and the guilt, um, you know, I mean, from not putting in that that effort, Um that, you know, I mean, if I, you know, I would have trained hard in the summer, it would have possibly given me a better opportunity. Or even if I didn't play in the NHL, it could have took me to many different places. You know, I mean, Europe, other places and stuff like that, that I could have got to see with my hockey career. But instead, you know, I mean, the, the bottle was more important. Yeah. And, uh, and and back at that time, no, I didn't realize what I was jeopardizing. And, you know, I knew I was screwing up, but I didn't know what it was going to cost me in the long run. Yeah. Okay, we've got some comments coming in. We are going to say, don't worry, we'll get to all your comments. Um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> most of them are just saying how much we love Derek, so I could just... <laughs> oh. um, I need to start crying yet, so... Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you got injured at some point. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I had... I suffered from many, uh, many different injuries uh, throughout my hockey career. Um, you know, I mean, I had separated shoulders. Um, I ended up with, uh, with what was called osteitis pubis, uh, which is a thing, <laughs> pubic bone. Um, had numerous cortisone injections in my pubic bone and my shoulders. Uh, I had a broken broken sinus cavity uh, from a fight, broken noses, uh, broken fingers. Um, you know, I mean, like, like throughout my junior career, I probably was in seventy or eighty hockey fights. Holy! Um, How many did you so, win? You know what I mean, I, um, I, I'm not gonna lie. I was a pretty gifted fighter. I wasn't the strongest guy, but I, but the thing with me is, I could take a punch. Like so, you don't, you, know, you don't look. We went, you don't look like the kind of guy that I want to fight. Like, I'm not going to lie, you know, like. Well, well, with me is I could take a punch. So if yeah. it went punch for punch, eventually the other guy would lose. Just right? get tired. Because, you know, <laughs> you gave me, yeah, you gave me that a million times and it wouldn't yeah. affect me, right? Whether or not that plays a role in things nowadays. I, I, I really yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of my role. You know, I mean, I played that rough and, and gritty role as, as a hockey player. Um, you know, for the four years I was in Saskatoon, anyways, and then you know, yeah. as I went to Prince George, I got put in a different role and stuff. But. Yeah. So did they ever? Uh, did they ever give you painkillers? Yeah, I've, I've I had a few different painkillers, like uh, Ty uh, 
Tylenol three or T threes or whatever they're called. Uh, that's you know, I, I, I mean, come I, on. I, I, that's not what I'm talking about, bro. <laughs> come on. No, 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 no. I, know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, morphine. I had morphine a couple times and whatnot, but um, that was never my thing. Those things really, I honestly, God, I kind of hated them. I, I you know, when I was on morph, morphine, I hated the feeling of them uh, uh, and stuff. So it was like I took them as prescribed, and that was it. Um, later on in life, I'd use them to come down, but that's a whole another story but yeah back then yeah. It, uh, the, the painkillers wasn't wasn't an issue for me so yeah um so were you were you like looked up at look yeah bleh, let me try that again were you looked up at <laughs> because of the way you were the way you were drinking like last man standing i remember when i was like 16 17 like we would we would hold those people in high regard like oh we want to be like that guy there was this guy named pig pen in my town and yeah he could there, no one could stop him <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if I was looked up at, but I was known as a partier, right? I, uh, yeah. In my in my final year of junior, I, I got traded to Prince George. Uh, ended up having the best season of my life. Uh, you know, I, I scored forty goals that year, which was top twenty in the Western Hockey League. And you know, I mean, I was I was, uh, I was top in many of the different categories. Uh, but also, that's when the drinking went more and more. When I played in Saskatoon, we, we had really strict rules. We're, we're you know, we'd only be allowed to party once a month we weren't allowed in bars and whatnot and when i got traded to prince george the rules had changed and when i got there a couple guys had played with former teammates of mine so they knew you know i mean they knew i like to have fun <laughs> so right away i the minute i got there for training camp they asked me to come out for the night and whatnot so um you know i mean but there we were able to go to bars um we were able to you know i mean party as much as we want as long as we were performing on the ice and i was performing on the ice um, <laughs> funny thing about Prince George, that's also the first place that I ever saw cocaine, you know, which ended up being my drug of choice. Um, I remember we were at a, we were at a bar someplace and I walked into the washroom and there's a guy in the bathroom stall and he's got a, a line on the, uh, on the little toilet paper dispenser. And, and at that time I'm like, fuck this. I'll never do that shit. Like I'm never, ever going to touch that stuff. Weeds, uh, the, you know I mean? The, the worst thing I'll ever do and, mm-hmm. and I'll ever touch it. So I'm like, no, no, I don't want it. And I left or whatever and whatnot. Right. But, um, yeah, no, like Prince George was a, an amazing place for me and, and I had lots of fun, but mm-hmm. you know I mean, that, that's where, you know I mean? The drinking really started to, you know I mean? Take over my life and, and stuff. I think like I, I was able to, drink all night and then show up practice or games or whatever the next day and play like nothing, nothing happened the night before. So, so, um, when did you do cocaine for the first time? Uh, when I did cocaine for the first time, uh, was when I, uh, I went down South to play hockey, um, in, uh, in South Carolina. Um, after I was done my, my, uh, my season of Prince George, I signed a contract with, uh, they were called the PD Pride in, in Florence, South Carolina. Um, I mean, that's when, <laughs> like, you know, Prince George was bad for partying. This place even got worse. Uh-huh. Um, it, uh, uh, one, it was, it was pretty much like a paid vacation for eight months in South Carolina. You know, I mean, a beautiful state. Uh, we had free golf on, on two or three different golf courses in, in, in and around uh, Florence. So, you know, I mean, my schedule consisted of getting in the rink at nine o'clock, practice at 10, you know, I mean, home by a, uh, noon, we'd grab lunch and then we'd out to the golf course with uh, a case or two of beer. And, uh, you know, I mean, it would start there and then, uh, and then it would just transpire into, um, uh, into the bar later that night. So if we didn't have a game the next day, we, we were pretty much drunk the whole time. So, um, you know, I mean, definitely, definitely, you know, I mean, it was getting over. And, and this is the thing, like, like I, I could party till, you know, five, six in the morning, get two hours of sleep and then 
go hit the ice practice, hit the hot shower after, and then do it all again the next day. Yeah. Um, but I still remember, I think it was around Christmas time. I, I came into my apartment and there was one of the players and a couple of girls and a, and a big mound of cocaine on the, uh, on the coffee table. And at that yeah. time I was disgusted. I'm like, really, you guys are doing this in my apartment. Yeah. And I was kind of pissed off at the time. And then about two weeks later, I'm like, let me try it. Yeah. Screw this. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, screw this. Went, this is all your. This, this is all your guys' fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, it was it was one of those drugs that I I fell in love with. I mean, the first time it hit me. I'm home. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just like whole. Were you surprised? Were you like, home. oh, this all makes sense now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was. It was. It was crazy. Like it was. It was like holy shit. Like like where's this been? Why have I done this before? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The most. <laughs> yeah. I remember going to the bar and and and, and a few of the players' wives are like, "Hey, Holly, you need to get some gum. Like get some gum or whatever." Like, <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> <going this>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you need some gum. Yeah. So. It, <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, me and me and a couple of the buddies, we hung out with some guys that owned some golf courses. So, like, I, I never paid for it. I mean, we'd pull up to the party; there'd be mounds of it on the table, and have at it, right? So, you know, I mean, I did that for for a little bit while I was uh, while I was down south, and uh, and yeah, and then once the season came to an end, I ended up coming back to Regina. Okay, um, so what ended your hockey career? <sighs> um. It was it was a number of things. Um, uh, this this is where it's, this is going to get tough for me because you know I'm going to bring up something that I've never really really talked about before with many people. Uh, many people don't know this about me. Um, but I ended up uh, she while well, she was a girlfriend and I ended up getting her pregnant. Um, and. Uh, decided that, you know, I mean, I wanted to, not so much that I quit hockey then, I just wanted to take that year off of hockey uh, to be home for when the baby was born. Um, and then obviously, you know, I mean, drink, <laughs> the drinking played a large role too because, you know, getting out of shape and not going back. Um, but yeah, and then, like I said, this is one of those things that, that, I mean, many people that are probably listening that know me don't know this about me, but um yeah, like I said, I, I, I wanted to, to stick around and, and be home for when the baby was born. And how did oh, uh, how did that go? Well, you know, I mean, lo- looking back, um, I have a different, I guess, view or, or outlook of the whole situation. At the time, I, I blamed her, right? But, um, you know, I mean, dur- during, the, during the pregnancy... Um, you know, I mean, I think I was already struggling from, you know, I mean, not being able to play hockey, but, um, I wasn't the best, I guess, boyfriend you, you could, you could say, um, I, you know, I mean, I spent a lot of time still partying and going out when I should have been staying home and supportive. Um, I wasn't very supportive, um, when she called me to tell me that she was pregnant, um. Uh, you know, I mean, it scared me. I didn't know what to do. Uh, <laughs> she actually ended up being the one telling my parents. Um, um, sorry. Okay, take um, your time, man. But yeah, but uh, but after you know, she had the baby. Um, I was there for for all of it. Um, she ended up coming to my parents' house a couple, you know, a couple weeks later, and then. Uh, she decided that I wasn't 
uh, you know what I mean? Or it wasn't best that I, I be involved. Um, so then she, she kind of just disappeared. Uh, did she party a I lot too? Or? Um, she did a bit. Um, you know I mean? She, 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 we were young, right? Partying was a thing, right? But you know mm-hmm. what I mean? She decided that, you know I mean? She was going to be a mom and whatnot and, and take care of the baby. And, you know what I mean? I decided, well, it was more important for me to party and spend all the money than, than, you know I mean? Save up and, and support her and the baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then and then, yeah, she she, uh, she disappeared, and uh, that was that was definitely tough tough for me. Um, I don't know if this was when I realized it, or maybe earlier in life, but but, and this was you know I mean the stem of of a lot of my problems with addictions and whatnot is is I struggled expressing myself. Yeah. Um, I so struggled. many men do. Yes. Oh. Uh, Man, I, I, I struggled. I, I, I didn't want anyone to know that anything was bothering me. Um, so, you know, I mean, instead of coming to somebody and saying, no, I, I don't feel right about this. I'm, I, I fucked up or whatever. I just kept it inside. And I didn't talk to anybody about it. And then so I didn't end up doing anything about it. You know what I mean? And, you know what I mean? I have, I have a lot of regrets from that. I don't, I don't for one second regret not playing hockey that year, see the baby. I don't regret that one bit. I'm glad I did that. I'm so grateful I did that. I'm grateful I was there for that. But I definitely regret, you know, me my behavior when I when I found out she was pregnant, mm-hmm. my behavior throughout the pregnancy, and then I regret not doing anything after. You know, what I mean, like got, I could have uh, went to. Go ahead. Sorry, finish your thought. Well, we're oh, stopped. We're, we're stopped now. I was going to say we've got a comment. I thought there was going to be a pause there. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to break that, but we've got to... <laughs> No, no, I, I'll, I'll go back. Let's see the comment. I, I, okay. I need a little bit of a breather. Anyway. Yeah, we've got John chiming in. Thanks for watching tonight, John. Appreciate it. John asks, have you ever had the chance to make any amends with her? Um, Pretty actually, heavy question there, John. <laughs> exactly. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but you know what I mean? It, it's... Like it, it, the addiction was not her fault at all. You know, what I mean, it was it was my my inability to be able to deal with with what was going on in my head and my heart. And you know, what I mean, all the regret I had of everything that happened around that situation. Um, it was tough. I mean, I, I, I hated the mother for years and years and years for for um, taking off for taking off. Yeah. And you know, what I mean, she just she was just doing what she thought was bad. She was young too, right? And she yeah. was just doing what she was thought she thought was best for her and the baby. And probably at that time it was, you know what I mean? I was, I was, I was starting to become that piece of shit addict, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? I was, I was losing sense of myself. Um, as for, for John's questions, um, I'll touch on that a bit because, you know what I mean? I have made some, some progress on that end and it actually <laughs> has helped me out tremendously. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, it took four years, you know, I'm clean and sober four years now and, and it took four years to make this. <laughs> thank you very much. It, it took four years for me to make this amends. Mm-hmm. One, because, you know, I mean, I, I was scared of, of rejection still from her because, you know, I mean, I, it, like you said, when you learn with amends, you have to be ready for, or, or go in with no expectations and, you know, I mean, kind of be able to handle anything. Like I had to go in with an expectation that the worst thing was going to happen because I had to make sure that. I was going to be able to handle that, that I was going to be able to handle, nope, she doesn't want nothing to do with you, or nope, 
you know, I mean, it, she doesn't want to see you or, or just maybe no answer at all. But, you know, I mean, it was, it was only a couple weeks ago that, that I, I, I ended up sending an email. Email apologizing for my behavior, you know what I mean, regretting that I never did anything about it. You know what I mean? It, it, was, it was a good long email. And mm-hmm. a couple of days went by, I didn't get a response, and that's what I expected. And then I got a response. And um, it, was, it was a super long response. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it was what I kind of expected. Um, even though I expected it, though, it, it did send me on an emotional roller coaster for a couple of days. Um, you know what I mean? There's a couple of things in there that I expected, but they were still hard to handle. But also many good things came about it. Um, I, uh, she told me, she told me how amazing our, the, my daughter was doing in school and everything, and that she's well loved and well taken care of. Um, she just explained she's not ready to, to meet me. Yet. And you know, I mean, when I went through treatment, uh, one of the things was, you know, I mean, let her come to me. You know, I mean, she's built her life. I can't go barging in there now. I have to wait for her to come. It's not her fault. It was my fault. You know what I mean? It, you know, I mean, it wasn't my daughter's fault. She's had a built life for own. She doesn't need me barging in there with whatever going on in her life. And I have to let her come with me. But the thing so, is, one, I wanted the mother. Here's here's a question. When um, yeah. because I know when a lot of people uh, stop using, they they want to just like run out and start saying sorry to everybody. Was this was this something that you wanted to do early on, and that you were told to wait, or or did it just you finally work up the nerve? How, what did that look like for you? Uh, no, I. Uh, I wasn't one of those people because I said sorry so many times while I was using that my apologies meant nothing to many people. I need to get I needed to get out there and prove the people that I had changed, that I was a different person, that I wasn't the same undependable, lying, manipulative, self-centered person that I was in active addiction. Um, I, I did learn some of that in treatment, obviously, um, but I knew from what I learned in treatment and whatnot and, and just from personal experience that I couldn't go out there and just start to say, Hey, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. Mm-hmm. I needed to, you know I mean? Build that foundation and prove to, to people that, that I'm not that person anymore. You know I mean? You can trust me. I'll be dependable. I'll be there when you call me. Um, all those kinds of things before I went in there and started saying sorry to people. You know, I had, I had to make those living amends first. Mm-hmm. So what did life look like for you after hockey? Uh, well, you know, I mean, with, with that and, and hockey be, becoming an end, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of where my life started to, you know, I mean, spiral downhill, right. Or spiral or go downhill or whatever you want to call it. Um, I started playing hockey, uh, in a little community called Southie, which is a great community, had tons mm-hmm. of fun there. Um, got relatives and in I, Southie. I, I started, oh, really? <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then I, I, I start, I started in the Brickling field here in Regina, um, you know, I started uh i had a, a family friend who was superintendent with one of the the bigger companies here in, in the province of saskatchewan and i started in that and you know i mean i did, I did that for about a year while i was playing hockey in saudi you know i mean having lots of fun um and stuff and this was still while while um uh, the, the girl was pregnant with with my child right and then after that came to an end um uh, yeah, and our first season in Seldy, which was a lot of fun. We had we had a really good team. Um, I had a buddy at the time who decided to convince me that uh, I should try university. I had uh, when I played hockey in the Western Hockey League for each year I played, I had a year of tuition and books paid for. So I, I had five years of, of tuition and books paid for uh, to go to university. So I decided at that point to get out of the Brickling field and uh, and try my hand at university, uh, <laughs> which was which ended up kind of being a mistake. But yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so 
did you uh, did you move up the ranks in the bricklayers? Uh, well, not then, because like I said, I, I, I had quit. So I, uh, I, uh, I ended up, like I said, you know, I tried the university thing. It wasn't for me. I, you know, I, I did about a semester and a half and, uh, and quit. And then after that, it was like, well, what do I do now? And I was playing hockey at Sully in the time and they had a, a business out there that, you know, I mean, was, was a big sponsor of our hockey team and lots of our management was, was working at this place and, and they got me a job out there. So I started working in Saudi for a little bit. Then I said, well, hey, why not move there? So I, uh, I ended up moving out to Saudi. Um, you know, I think it was just my escape from getting out of the city and, and getting away from the bars and maybe, you know I mean, seeing people that I, I used to associate with and stuff because I was just, I was really ashamed of, of you know I mean, not being, not being the dad I should have been, right? That was, that was a huge issue for me. Like it's, I mean, I, I hate that stuff, but I, I had become that person mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know, I mean, it, it caused me a lot of guilt and shame. Um, uh, but anyways, yeah, I, I ended up moving out to Saudi, um, and, uh, and I mean, it was a great place to play, but you know, I mean, a lot of drinking, you know, I mean, it was, it was a small town, right? You, there's yeah. not a whole lot to do. So, yeah. you know, before I mean, we get, before we get too far, before we get too far, yeah. what did you go into in university? Like what, what did you take? Oh, what did I go into? I, uh, what did I take? I took a university 100 course cause I had to upgrade some things. I took a uh, English 100, a science, a computer science 110, a geography, um and then uh, i can't remember what the other one was in the second like, did you go in with some to, sort of intention like like you wanted um, to be something really. specific I, no i i thought i thought a business degree because that's what everybody does right um, <laughs> but but i i when i went in I, I didn't want any of the classes where i had to get up in front of talk i mean i had to get up in front of in front of people and talk or whatever so i picked all the big classes which were just lecture classes because that way mm-hmm. i didn't have to do any group stuff or anything because you know i was still, still a little bit shy so um, I just picked all those classes, and I think I passed most of them. I might have failed one, but um, you know, I didn't put a whole lot of effort in because it just high school wasn't for me, and and neither was university either. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it was, uh, yeah. So it was it was a mistake. Like it's a good thing I didn't have to pay for my tuition and books, but I still took out an eight thousand dollars student line of credit. Well, that went all on booze, anyways. So yeah. <laughs> because I was living at home with my parents and stuff, but yeah, and all that so, fun stuff. So and then and then you met someone. Um, okay, well, yeah, yeah, in a little bit, yeah. So, anyways, did I miss um, something? Where was I? Yeah, well, no, I think I, I might have missed something. So, <laughs> <laughs> but because uh, I, I think I, I think I stopped talking about the whole Seldy thing. But um, I don't know. I was I was probably about twenty six or twenty seven, and I was working on Seldy, and I was just like, I was starting to become unhappy, and I was like, well, what am I doing with my life? And then for some reason, I got this idea that I uh, I wanted to make a comeback at hockey, so. Uh, I uh, started getting myself back into shape. Um, I realized I needed a little higher paying job for the summertime. So um, I contacted the, the brick lane company that I was working for before and see if they would hire me back and they would. So I ended up moving back to the city, um, working with the, the brick lane company for the summer and, and just working out and trying to get myself in shape for the, the hockey season. And then um, one day I was sitting there, I'm like, well, so I go play hockey for a couple of years and I get done that, then what? Right. I, I have no career or anything. So at that point, I decided that, you know, I mean, it's time for me to make a decision and, and find a career. And I, I decided to sign up as a as an apprentice bricklayer uh, with the company I was working for. Uh, union company, of course. And that's why I'm in the, the position I am right now. Um, and then, then that's when I started my apprenticeship. And then, uh, you know, I, mean, I went to school my first year. And then shortly after that, I, I ended up meeting somebody. 
Okay. And um, how how was that? Um, it was probably it was one of my you know, I guess my longer relationships that I've had, or I guess maybe my longest one even. Um, when we started dating, uh, we were both from the same hometown. Um, she was, uh, you know, I mean, she, I think she was ten years older than me at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, she still is, but <laughs> she was ten <laughs> years older than me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we started dating for a bit, and then uh, you know, I mean, a couple months, and then she decided she wanted to move into Regina, and we ended up moving in together and whatnot. Um, you know, I mean, leading up to that situation was actually, you know, I mean, when I started finding more and more cocaine around the city too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I was up to before I met her, I started doing it a little more often because I kind of left this out. But when I moved back from playing down south, I couldn't find it. And, you know, I mean, I was too scared to ask anybody for it. So I just kind of stopped doing, doing it. Um, you know, I mean, I'd find it occasionally here and there, but um, never, ever, you know, I mean, was brave enough to ask anybody for it. Um, but then I started finding people that, that were doing it. So then I started hanging out with these people and, you know, I mean, we do it every so often, but you know, I mean, I wasn't doing it all the time yet. You know I mean? It wasn't, uh, it wasn't that addiction yet. I was just, I guess I was a social user at that time. Uh, but when I met this girl, I, you know, I mean, I'd stopped doing it for a couple of years. Uh, except I remember the one time she was going away on a, uh, a week long vacation. So I decided to call up one of my buddies to come hang out and mm-hmm. you know, we pick some up and did it then. So. so yeah, you, you would like quit when she's around and, and you, you did have, uh, some time completely away from it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I didn't touch it for a couple of years, but this is the thing. I, I don't know if it was because I didn't want to, or just because of, I didn't have access to access to it myself. And when I dated her, I wasn't really hanging out with, with people without her much anymore. So I didn't have that chance to, you know, I mean, go with a buddy and, and pick some up and sit there and, you know, I mean, have our heart to hearts all night long and whatnot we do while we're, <laughs> we were getting high right now. So yeah, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, when, back, back when, when drugs were kind of fun. I <laughs> like, guess. how do you really, how do you really lay a brick, man? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we, I mean, then we sit there and solve all the world problems and we yeah. do everything right. So yeah. it, uh, it was definitely, you know, I mean, I guess it was a good time. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I have different opinions of what good times are nowadays, but I agree. Yeah, um, me too. But yeah, no, yeah, but like, you know, I mean, for for a couple of years, I, I didn't really touch it, and then when we part way through our relationship, I was starting to able to find it myself and get contacts myself, and you know, I mean, that's when I start. You know, I mean, Friday night I pick them up and you know I mean we'd have a fire in the backyard and you know I mean I'd be sneaking away to the bathroom to have a couple lines and then uh, you know I mean just drink a bit to to hide or whatnot but I mean I I did it for the last three years of our relationship without her or at least thinking she had no idea that I was doing it Mm -hmm. and how did she catch on like was it one day she confronted you what what happened there no, she she never caught on. She she had found out we had broken up a couple times in the last year because I was just starting to become such a piece of shit in the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. That um, um, we had broken up, and whenever when we broke up, people had told her that you know I was doing it. But then I, every time we get back together, I'd say we stopped, and uh, and uh, I would, uh, but I would continue doing it right until finally um, we broke up for good. And you know, I mean, and that would, that's when I, I really flew off the handle. Um, I mean, we broke up in, I don't know. I remember it was my birthday and it was around 20, 2012 or 2013. I can't remember the exact time. But uh, my dad was away in Hawaii on vacation. 
So I ended up going to, I got booted out. I didn't want to tell anybody because, like I said, again, I didn't like people knowing that anything was bothering me. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, ended up, I was watching my dad's house anyway, so I just had to go stay at my dad's for a bit. And uh, I don't know exactly how much I did. Uh, it was a lot. Um, and, you know, it was like four days straight. I didn't sleep in four days. And I still remember sitting on the couch and it looked like somebody was hanging from the, the little thing in the porch with these radio clothes and the walls started moving. Um, and then all of a sudden my left arm started going numb. I was getting chest pains. I'm like, what the fuck? Am I having a heart attack? And I'm panicking now. Like, what do I do? I go went and hopped in the shower and we tried to think that would work. Nothing was work. And then finally I, I drove myself to the hospital and, you know, I mean, I, Stupid thing for me to do. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely grateful that I didn't get in an accident and kill somebody that night. Um, you know, I did a lot of stupid things when, when I was drunk and stuff that I, I wish I never did. I'm just so grateful to this day that I didn't kill anybody. That's the biggest yeah. thing. I know I, mean, I didn't kill or harm anybody was doing. But I drove to the uh, I drove to the hospital. They took me into emergency right away. I wasn't having a heart attack. I don't know if it was a panic attack or just the fact that I did way too many drugs and and. Um, the doctor's like, you need help, you need help. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm just, you know I mean, going through a rough time. I'll, I'm, you know I mean, I'm thinking this is enough to, to scare me now. I ain't going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was good. I uh, went home and and uh, whatnot and uh, had to go back to work up up north for a, uh, a couple weeks or whatever and came back and boom. <laughs> the minute I got in the city, I'm calling my drug dealer and I don't know, I did another, I don't know, a half ounce and, a 24 hour period and Goddamn. boom, next thing I know, I'm next thing you know, I'm back in the ER again. And I still remember when I went to the, when I went to the, when You're I like, went to the nurse, hey, Derek. <laughs> when I went to the, well, when I pulled in there, there was cops there too. I'm like, Oh my God. And of course I drove there again. Yeah. But anyway, so I, uh, I pull in there and I go up to the nurse and I'm telling this, this, that, and, she, and then she looks at my, my chart or whatever. And she's, Oh, you were here two weeks ago. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, so 33, she's like, do you not want to live to your fucking 34? And I'm just like, fuck, my heart just sunk. And uh, and I was really embarrassed then, right? But, I mean, went in the hospital again. Nothing was wrong with me. Um, went back home. My dad was coming home the next day. You know I mean? Depression really started to sink in. And uh, I was scheduled to go to work that Monday. Um, I, I texted my, my boss the night before, and, and I'm like, hey, I need to come in and talk to you. And... Uh, I went in and I'm like, hey, I got a problem. You know, I, I, I can't stop doing it and I need help. And, you know, I mean, that was the first time I kind of reached out for help and uh, and whatnot. So. What was that like for you? It was tough. I mean. <laughs> it was definitely tough. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't ready yet either. But um, anyways, what happened was, uh, you know, I mean, through our, our union, we have a a pro care um, kind of thing. You know, I mean, they send us to a couple different places. So first, I got sent to a, a I like an assessment counselor, yeah. like um, a substance abuse suppressor, substance abuse professional. Um, it could be. I, I'm not 100 percent sure. It was with Family Services, uh, so they sent me there first. You know, I mean, I went through the spiel and stuff and gave them what was going on and shit, and and then they recommended that you know, I have some sort of treatment, right? And then mm-hmm. uh, and then they shipped me off to addiction counseling. Uh, at addiction services. Um, so, I mean, this is already going on a couple of days now and then uh, I'm starting to feel a little bit better. Um, yeah. And, uh, and all I'm wanting to get doing now is, is just trying to get back to work. You know, I, I'm not thinking I need help anymore. I'm, right. I, mean, I can do this on my own. Uh, but it was already put in place that I needed, 
um, needed uh, needed some sort of treatment. Um, so they, they came up with, you know, I mean, uh, day treatment because any treatment center was like six weeks to get into. And I'm like, well, six weeks for that. And then four weeks for treatment, you know, I mean, I'm going to be off work for too long and I, I just, yeah. I need to get back to work and I'm not, it doesn't really, it's not bothering me. You know, when I'm starting so to feel you, good, I you know, feel are good you off myself with and whatnot. So, um, I was off with on unemployment. Okay. So I was able to collect unemployment on through EI sickness. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, but anyway, so. I, uh, ahead, I started sorry. the day treatment. Oh, that's okay. Sorry, I keep interrupting you, man. Like I keep, I've been doing like twenty no. times. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you should stop me. Maybe yeah. someone else wants to say anything. But, anyways, um, so they started me with the day treatment program. Well, once the day treatment program started going, I started using again. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm in their day treatment, telling them everything that I think they want to hear. You know, I mean, bullshitting the situation and whatnot. Uh, but then I'd go home and use it. Um, and then, you know, I mean, that transpired throughout the whole four weeks. So obviously I didn't get anything out of it. I wasn't ready to quit yet and, uh, and stuff, but I needed to, to pass a drug test before going back to work. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, I figured if I quit a week before the drug test, I should be good. So I quit a week before the drug test, went and took the drug test, failed the drug test. But, you know, this is where my manipulation comes in and, and the person who was in charge of my drug tests to be able to allow me to go back to work, I found some article somewhere that stated that drugs could stay or cocaine could stay in your system for 12 weeks. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it was less than 12 weeks ago that I, mean, I did so much of it. And it's probably just still in my system. And I swear, I swear, I haven't touched it so much. And he believed me. And, and the person believed me. And I was able to go back to work. And, yeah. and you know, I mean, that was the thing. I was always able to to manipulate the situation and get myself out of every situation. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, I mean, my dad knew about this one. Um, I don't know if my mom did or not, but, um, well, she does now because she's listening. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was just one of those things where I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to, to talk about it, and I obviously wasn't ready to quit mm-hmm. um, and, and stuff. So, you know, I mean, I just continued on down the journey I was going. How was it when you were back to work? <sighs> When I was back to work, you know, I mean, they were, they were, they were supposed to be able to drug test me every once in a while. Again, I was able to get myself out of every situation there. Um, you know, I mean, the drugs continued more and more and more. Um, you know, I mean, my dad was usually gone in the weekends uh, during nights. So, you know, I mean, it would give me the, the free-for-all on the weekends. And, you know, I mean, during the week, I'd, you know, I mean, pick up here and there and go and hide in my bedroom and, and do drugs. Um uh-huh. And I mean, that continued on for a while. And then, and then about 2015, I had a, a job profession change and, and an opportunity opened up in the union as an instructor. And you know, I mean, it got me off of the tools and, and into an office type experience and stuff. But, you know, I mean, the, the drugs continue. And the thing is, when I took the job, like the union knew about my problem, uh, like uh, the one here. And, and, but I just liked it. You know, I mean, you're, 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 they asked if I was clean and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm clean. You guys can drug test me anytime you want and this and that. And, and whatnot, and yeah, and you know, I mean, I started working here, um, but you know, I mean, the the guilt, the shame, you know, I mean, all these things were just building up over the years. You know, I mean, the the guilt from hockey. You know, I mean, by then I'm I'm almost done playing senior hockey. You know, I mean, I had that keeping or filling that void for a few years, but you know, I mean, as I started getting worse at that, uh, that void wasn't working anymore, and just things continue to build. And, you know, I mean, I still wasn't able to talk about it with anybody or, mm-hmm. or anything. Right. So, um, things just continue to, you know, I mean, get worse and worse. So what finally did it for you? 
Um, <laughs> it was, it was, it was a bunch of things, I guess, you know I mean? I just, it was getting to the point where, you know I mean? I was lying about so much, uh, you know I mean, lying to everybody. Um, I almost had my, my one vehicle repoed, but again, I was able to get myself out of the situation, um, you know, I mean, get myself in a different vehicle and sell that one off to pay uh, the repo company. Um, but what did it and what was my last use um, was I, uh, I started at my house. You know, I started, I grabbed one that night, did that. And then I ended up venturing out or whatever. And then I ended up at this building and uh, grabbed another one on the way there. And, uh, you know, I mean, I killed that one off pretty fast. And, you know, I mean, paranoia started kicking in the crazy. Like, the thing with the drugs is, you know, I mean, in the beginning it was fun. But by the end, you know, I mean, it was two minutes of enjoyment followed by six or seven hours of paranoia. Like, it just, it wasn't fun. But I just couldn't put it down anymore. Like, I just, I, I was doing it every day. Like, I was, you know, I mean, I was spending a thousand plus dollars a week on, on drugs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that last night it was just, um, laying there and, and I don't know if I was looking for attention that night, but I made a suicide call, like a suicide threat to somebody. And that person had called the cops and I am so extremely grateful for that because because of that today, I am alive and I'm here and I'm clean and sober. Um, I don't know if I would have actually done it that night. But, you know, I mean, the, the suicide threats were creeping up more and more and more. And it was only a matter of time before it would actually happen. Mm-hmm. Or, or I'd kill myself with drugs. One of the two. You know, I mean, it was, I, I was heading towards death. You know, I mean, there was yeah. no institutions, no whatever. Death was all I was heading for. With the amount I was putting in my system. You know, I mean, there was nights where I'd, I'd be going to bed with chest pains. I'm like, am I going to be waking up tomorrow morning? Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't care. I really mm-hmm. didn't care. Um, so it was yeah. That. So, anyways, I was laying there, and then all of a sudden, here, bang, 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 on the door. I'm like, "What the hell?" It's like four o'clock in the morning. So I go to the door. There's like four or five cops out there. I'm like, "What the hell? How the hell did they find me?" Um, so they come in. And like, oh, you made a suicide threat. I'm like, "No, no, I was just playing around. I was just playing around." I'm like, "Well, we can't leave you here." I'm like, "We can either take you to a doctor or take you to jail." I'm sitting there thinking and also my, my attic brain's working already. And I'm like, wait, if you take me to jail and let me out, nobody's going to know about this, right? I'm going to be in the clear and I don't have to worry about anything. Right. So I'm like, yeah, just take me to jail. I just, I need to be out in time for work in the morning. Right. <laughs> anyway, so they're putting the handcuffs on me and they're like, yeah, you should call your, your dad. He's worried about you. And right there, my heart just sunk. I'm just like thinking like how worried my, my father is at that time. And then at that time, I knew I couldn't hide it anymore. Um, so they took me to jail. I'm, I'm laying in the jail cell, and and I'm uh, I'm like, hey, I, I can't do this anymore. I text my dad quick so that he knew I was going to be okay. Um, and I'm like, I just can't do this anymore. I uh, <laughs> I got to do something different. I, I need help. And so I sat in the jail cell. Um, as soon as I got out, I called a friend to pick me up because I wasn't ready to go talk to my parents yet. Friend picked me up. I text my dad. Okay, dad, you know what I mean? I, I got to work with some stuff. I will, uh, I'll make arrangements to come see you guys later. So then I started calling treatment centers. I had an in with a, uh, a treatment center because a buddy had gone there earlier and that was Options Okanagan out in Kelowna. 
Um, so I called there, found out what I had to do to get there, um, called a, a finance place, uh, which is MediCard, which finances, uh, you know, I mean, places like addiction centers and different things like that for people with even like bad credits. Uh, but I even my, my credit was so bad at the time that I needed help. So I know I, mean, I needed my dad to go somewhere. So once I got all that in place, I, I made the call to my, my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, I'd like to meet you and mom at the same time, whatever, 7.30 it was, and have a chat with you guys. And okay. I met with my parents. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was definitely tough. But I just sat there. I'm like, mom, dad, I have a problem, and I need help. I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, honestly, it was the biggest weight off my shoulders ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like... Lots of the lots of times using the drugs, I was so paranoid of getting caught. The buildup from the anxiety kept me using. It kept me sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, uh, because I was I was so worried about hiding and getting caught. It kept mm-hmm. me using. Yeah. So you know, what I mean that 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 weight. It was just like holy smokes! I I I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean that was my first point of reaching out and saying that I need help. You know, what I mean I'm not right. Mm-hmm. And of course, I mean, my, my parents are loving and supporting. Yeah, we'll do whatever you want. I mean, I'm like, Dad, well, I need you to co-sign for this. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So co-sign for that. My mom and, and her boyfriend at the time made arrangements to drive me all the way to Kelowna. Um, and then my dad made, made arrangements to pick me up with my, my, my pregnant sister at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing. So I, mean, I gave myself a week to... to uh, you know, we get ready to leave. I remember one buddy says, go on one last hurrah. I'm like, hey, buddy, I've had enough hurrahs. I'm done. Yeah. Right? So I just made sure I went to meetings every day before I left. And then, uh, you know, I made my, my check to treatment. Awesome. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll get right back at it. Right. So... Um, I just like to say to the viewers, um, if you've got comments or questions or anything, there is going to be a segment at the end for the viewers voice where we will get to all of your questions and comments. So if you got them, put them in the chat now and we'll do our best to get to everyone. Um, Hey Derek, uh, tell us about treatment. What was that like? Uh, treatment was amazing. (laughs) Um, you know, I mean, Kelowna, amazing city to get clean in, obviously, you know, I mean, it was, Mm -hmm. it was a beautiful summer that summer. Uh, but the difference here between this time and last time was I was absolutely willing to do anything. Um, and that's the thing I wasn't before you. And I, they tell me things at the, at the issue. Like, yeah, fuck, I don't need that. I don't need this. Don't need that. Right. But when I went to treatment, I'm just, I, I still remember, you know what I mean? If they told me to bounce on one leg and pat my head and rub my belly and that would yeah. keep, keep me clean, I would do that. You know what I mean? I, when I went to treatment, I was up in the early in the morning doing my step work. Uh, you know, I mean, I was always helping around the treatment center. I'd stay out of my room as much as possible. And you know, I mean, we try to plan things or go to the beach or or whatever, right? And and you know, I mean, I, I got to to learn a lot about myself and you know, I mean, build that 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 foundation of recovery. And the, the treatment center I went to was great. Everybody who worked there was was a recovering addict. Uh, I think except for one person, like even down to the cook. Um, and, uh, you know, you said that the, the treatment center was beautiful and stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it helped me to definitely build that, that, that foundation of, of recovery and, and helped me to, you know, I mean, let go of some of those resentments that, that I had built over the years. And I mean, one of the big things that was, was obviously the, the, the mother of my daughter mm-hmm. and I was able to, to start letting that go, um, and, and whatnot. So, 
yeah. and, and a, amongst a lot of other things that that had built up over the years and and you know i mean i learned that it was okay to cry i learned that it was okay to you know i mean reach out and talk to people um be vulnerable and and all those things that you know i mean men need to learn especially everybody needs to learn but especially men need to learn that it's okay to say you know i mean hey i'm not feeling good i need help right absolutely so did it stick the treatment it stick? stuck you know i mean that that was that was July eighth, two thousand and seventeenth, and I mean, I just took my my four year birthday here uh, just a couple weeks ago, so it awesome. did stick this time. Um, yeah. Um, I need to get like a confetti effect or something. Yay! Something like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, tell us about your first year. How was your first year clean? Uh, first year was was definitely. Uh, it was a little bit of a roller coaster, not gonna lie. I, I still remember sitting in treatment, and you know, I mean, they talked about things like complacency, and you know, I mean, uh, maybe not doing the things that are suggested. I, nope, nope, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna go back and do everything suggested. And you know, when I got back, and I started using one of the programs here in, in Regina, and you know, I mean, I, 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 tr- I had trouble fitting in at first. Uh, you know, I, mean, I kind of thought maybe it was a little clicky or, or whatnot, and uh, and it's I just, not, I didn't it's feel not clicky. comfortable. Is it? <laughs> I, I don't know but anyways it, it was tough there you know i mean at, at first and you know, i mean working with you know i mean a fellow person in, in the program and i was talking about that and it's like yeah but are you are you sticking around after meetings are you mm-hmm. are you talking to people are you reaching out and i'm like no 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 i'm like aren't they supposed to just come up to me yeah you don't want to talk and, to those uh, weirdos <laughs> and uh you know what? And, and then you know, I, I took it as vice, and I, you know, I started reaching out. I started going for coffee after, and started hanging out with fellow addicts, and 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 then recovery really started to take off for me. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, and then I'm getting a girlfriend, which you know, I mean, another suggestion that you don't do another recovery a couple months in. And, oh, you can't. And do that, that didn't work out because <laughs> that didn't work out. That didn't work out because I wasn't ready, and. You know, I mean, that sent me on a roller coaster. But you know, I, mean, I kept clean through all this, and it all—it was all because of the stuff. You know, I, mean, I, I learned through the program and learned in treatment. I mean, I, I, sometimes it takes me a while to reach out. Sometimes I wait till I'm really struggling, but I always reach out and I always pick up the phone and I always call somebody, whether it's you know, I mean, the one person I work with in the program, or you know, I mean, I have a pretty good, pretty good support group that I uh, that I reach out to when when I have to. So. Um, yeah, um, you know what I mean? And, and the thing is, I, I stayed clean through that first year. I mean, I had a lot of ups and downs. And I mean, when I first got out of treatment, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with work and everything worked out for me there. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a roller coaster, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, everything worked out in the end and in the end of it, I stayed clean and sober throughout the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I, mean, I owe, yeah. owe a lot to the program and, and obviously to treatment and, and all that stuff. So was it tough going back to work? Like when you, when you come out of treatment and like, how long was it before you, you got back on the tools? Uh, well, I, I wasn't on the, like I said, I was, I was an instructor at the time. Right, that's right. Um, sorry. Yeah. So no, no problem. Um, I was an instructor. So, you know I mean? I had the six weeks of treatment and then after I got out, I just took a couple of days to, to get, you know, me back into the group of things. And I wasn't sure, you know, I had an issue with one of the persons that I, I worked with back then. Um, and I didn't know if it was a good situation for me to, to go back into that situation. Um, but then he ended up retiring and I was going to take over his role. So it was kind of a thing that worked out. And now like me and the guy are, are pretty good friends now too, because I mean, we were able to work through our differences. And, and once I stopped being a piece of shit, 
you know what I mean? I, I was a lot easier to deal with, right? And, and you know what I mean? When I started looking at, at my part in the situation, you know what I mean? Yeah, he may be an asshole, but you know what I mean? He was my boss at the time, and I would do you know I mean? sometimes the opposite of what he told me to do. So, you know what I mean? He had a right to give me shit, but you know what I mean? For some reason, I was always blaming him. Right. But yeah. in the end, you know, when you start when you start getting clean and sober, you start looking at, you know, I mean, your part or, or your part of the highway or whatever street you want to talk, want to cliche you want to use. Yeah, yeah. You start realizing your part in a lot of things throughout your life. That sucks. Right? Hey, like some days that's just like, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'm, yeah. Like, shit, man. I was a piece of shit. But yeah, you know, what I mean, the thing that. is, I'm not that person anymore. So, yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm pretty proud of that. So, yeah. So what's it like now? Uh, now, you know, I mean, think things are actually pretty amazing. Um, you know what I mean? I, uh, I got some promotions through work. You know, I mean, I worked my way all the way up to, to, you know, me being the president of the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers Local in Saskatchewan, which, you know, I mean, if I was still using, would have never happened. You know, I mean, this is you know, an elected position and, you know, I mean, my peers have to approve of me getting into this position. And even though I had, didn't have to run against anybody, you know I mean? It just shows that, you know I mean? The people that knew I was running would, would trust me to do the job. Um, and again, you know I mean? If I was, wasn't clean and sober, they probably wouldn't trust me to do this job. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently just bought, you know what I mean? My own house. Well, me and, you know I mean? Girlfriend together bought a house. Um, you know I mean? Another thing that, that I never thought would ever be possible. You know I mean, I got my credit in such a bad situation. And, and you know, I mean, when you're using drugs, you like, you never have money, right? And you're like, well, how the hell am I going to afford this kind of a payment? But when you stop using drugs, you have a lot more money on your hands. So, you know, you can afford to, to buy these things. And, you know, I mean, we're able to go on trips. We're, we're able to do all these things. And, and looking back, you know, I, mean, I still remember my using days. You know, I mean, even, even to go visit my sister. You know, I mean, I could never go because I never had money. And when I went... You know, what I mean, I never had money when I was there. So when people were paying for supper, I, I was never able to to chip in or anything. I had to be the, the you know, what I mean, the moochie brother. And, and you know, I mean, the last couple of times I went, I was able to pick up the tab and, and different things like that. And, and it makes you feel, you know, and it's maybe mater- materialistic things, but it makes you feel good that you're able to now do these things and 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 stuff like that. So, okay. Well, I think we're going to go into the viewer's voice. We've got some comments here. So here we go. Okay, let's see here. Uh, where to start? Holy cow! Oh, do you have lots oh, of questions? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just spinning this wheel like it's a wheel of fortune here. Is spinning it. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot of comments. Let's just get through some comments. We've got Tammy Moore uh, chiming in here. Thanks for the comment, Tammy. She says, "I'm so very proud Thanks, of Tammy. you." We've got Wendy here. Thanks for chiming in, Wendy. I'm proud of you. Thank you for your courage to share. We've got Steve. Thank you, Steve. Uh, And we've got thanks, brother Steve. (laughs) Yeah, we've got another Steve here. Uh, Let me see here. He's got. Is it going to all show up? Yes, it is. He says, I'm proud of you, bro. Always respected you as a player. Didn't know you well, but I've always heard... Uh Uh-oh. But I've always heard through mutual friends how great of a dude you are. Keep leading. By by you speaking out, you undoubtedly are helping someone who needs it. I need to make 
the comments stay on the screen longer for <laughs> for Steve Thanks, here. Steve. I'll always remember Steve's comment now because it went Whoa. down. We've got Joel. <laughs> Thank you, Joel, for watching. Thank you for commenting. Thanks, Sean. We've got Kathy here. Uh, so, oh, again. Nope. Always more work to do, man. <laughs> so, the key is being ready, right? I am so thankful for the treatment center. Was ready and available. Oh, I lost her comment. When you <laughs> were. <laughs> and we've got Barb. I'm going to have to read him fast now. Barb, thanks for the comment. Did you go to did you go out to Kelowna because access in Saskatchewan was difficult before or was the change of scene helpful? Um, you want me to answer that one, Dan? Yes, please. Yeah. Um yeah, uh, you know, I mean, there's a huge issue in Saskatchewan with the availability to uh, to addiction centers. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going to lie. This is something that definitely, definitely needs to change here in the province of Saskatchewan. Um, the reason I, I went to Kelowna, and this was a private one, so I had to pay, um, was because I knew I needed to get in now. You know, I mean, if, if I would have went through the whole public system here in the province of Saskatchewan, it could have been six weeks and then it would have been the same thing as before. I would have been back using it or not. I needed to get the treatment now. And this is something, you know, I mean, that we need to change here in the province of Saskatchewan or all across Canada with, with, with you know, I mean, public treatment centers or people when they need it, they can access it now. Because, you know, even, even detox center right now, there's, there's waiting lists. And, you know, I mean, when a person is ready, you know, I mean, they need to get in there now. Not, hey, I'm ready. And then a couple of days go by. Then they, you know, I mean, they lose interest or they get back onto whatever they're using. So, yeah, that was, that was, it wasn't anything to do with the change of scenery. If I could have gotten into someone in Saskatchewan right away, I would have stayed and gone here. But mm -hmm. um, I knew that wasn't going to be the case. We've got, oh, I'm going to say her name wrong again. Jada? Jada. Jada, good. Very inspiring. I can relate to you in so many ways. I am learning a lot more about you than I that I never knew. You are a strong man. Getting sober is one of the hardest damn things in life. Thank you for the comment, Jada. Uh, we've got Thank Kathy. You, Jada. That means a lot. We've got Kathy chiming in with a comment or with a question. Um, do you have a sponsor? Yes, I do. I have a great sponsor. I just I didn't want to talk too much about the stuff in the program, so I uh, I just used a, a fellow person or whatever. But yeah, I do have a sponsor who's, uh, mm -hmm. who's an amazing sponsor. We've got this person chiming in. Interest, interestingly, I went to high school in Indian Head with this guy way back in the day. What's up, Cameron? It's <laughs> good to see you, man. He's from Campsack, too. <laughs> uh, well, unless it's I, a I different... Unless this is a different Cameron Merkel, Merkel. <laughs> so, so he moved to Indian Head. He moved to Indian Head after. So he did live in Campsack and then he moved to Indian Head. So. Yeah. Well, it's good to see you, Cameron. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, we've got Jacob just clapping his little heart out. Thank you for the comment, Jacob. <laughs> Thanks, Jacob. Uh, we've got Dana commenting. Thank you, Dana. Thank oh. you for sharing your honesty. Diana. <laughs> Diana, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's mom. Sorry, mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Thanks, very mom. proud of you. She says she loves you. Uh, we've got Lawrence chiming in. So very proud of you, Derek. Thanks, Lawrence. Uh, we've got Jan Jeanette or Janet? Jeanette? Janet. My, Janet. my godmother. Oh, welcome, Thanks, Janet. Janet. Thank you. Got Jody. We've got... Thank you. Uh, Todd, Todd Tanya. Thank you, Derek, for sharing your story. You are helping others in their recovery with this. Todd and Tanya. Doing all right, buddy? 
Yeah, I'm doing fine. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. I made it through without. I made it through without crying. So well, <laughs> there's my sister. <laughs> yeah, so proud of you, the man you have become. We love you, Uncle Derek. Thank you. Oh, Terry, I apologize. I am not going to read this all before it disappears off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> but te thank you, Terry. Thank you for being here tonight. I will never forget running into you at a recovery convention. It, it brought me hope and even more belief in recovery, having someone from back there, from back home. We've got Todd and Tanya again. <laughs> Hope to see you at our men's retreat. Double T boarding. I hope I said that I with the right. <laughs> I hope I said that with the right inflection. <laughs> okay. Well, it looks like the comments have died down. I don't know how many more Derek can take, anyways. <laughs> really glad you're here tonight, man. I'm really glad you decided to be a part of this project. I really appreciate it. I'm glad I did it too. It was yeah. awesome. <laughs> Is there? Uh, and and I apologize. I know I interrupted you a few times, and uh, but, but we got fine. through. Um, is there is there anything that you would like to leave us with tonight? The the biggest thing is is we need to make sure that people know that it's okay to reach out that it's not weak to reach out. Um, I mean, for everybody, everybody for sure. But you know, I mean, you know, men and men in general. Like I come from two industries, hockey and construction, where there's a huge stigma and a huge problem with drugs and alcohol and mental health and these people need to know that it's not weak to, to reach out and say i need help i learned over the years that it was the most courageous thing that i ever did was to finally say hey i needed help and people need to know this you know i mean too many people are dying nowadays because they're scared to reach out they're scared to ask for help and that needs to change people need to know that's okay um no, I mean, anybody watching this, feel free to add me on Facebook or whatnot. And, you know what I mean? You'll you know, message me, call me, whatever you need. And if you just need someone to talk to or, you know, I mean, start to be pointed in the right direction, I'm there for you. you know I mean, I, I'm, I'm there for any addict that wants to get help and, and get better. Because um, there is a better way of life, I can guarantee you. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it, it's tough. It's not easy. But it is better, and it gets better with time. So, you know, I mean, the biggest thing I can pass on anybody, if you're struggling, just say, I need help. It's okay to say that I'm not okay. So thank you very much, Dan, for having me on. Um, definitely appreciate being on. I appreciate everyone's nice, kind comments. Um, and like I said, I love you all, and I'll be here for anybody when they need help. Hey, awesome, man. We're going to let you go. Thank you once again for sharing. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, <laughs> This is important, I think. Hashtag strong as fuck. <laughs> in and out of that gym. Blessed to have you That's in my, my life. <laughs> yes. That's my trainer. Love you, Ari. <laughs> thank you. Yes. She had to get that one in before the end. Okay. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Take care. Oh, my God. Oh, no. We can't let this one. We, we got to get this one on the screen. We got to get it. Uh, you have an amazing family and life now. Thanks, Mom. Okay. Those, gonna... those are my niece and nephew, those two little ones. So That's amazing. Yeah. Gifts of recovery. <laughs> okay. Exactly. This time for sure. We're going to let you go. Take care, my friend. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for having me on.
Fostering change is our primary purpose here at Hard Knocks Talks. If you would like to contribute to ending the stigma around emotional pain, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Like and comment your thoughts on our posts. Let us not let us come together with our lived and living experience as a resource that has the power to engage new thought processes, to promote new ideas, to broaden the spectrum of care, and to show the world that the lie is dead. We do recover, and we're here to show you how. Good night. Eric, mute your phone. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good.